morning. Good morning, buddy. We made it. Made her through another week. Another week? Are we getting used to this yet? Well, I don't know. It's uh, become a habit, hasn't it? It has become a habit. And uh, I'm kind of enjoying it. I'm sure enjoying people calling us and telling us how good we're doing and keep it up. That makes me feel real good about myself. Makes it worthwhile, doesn't it? Yeah. I think folks are finding value and I, you know, it's lit from one thing to the next. It's here we go. But yeah. I'm, and I'm sure there's some people just rolling their eyes that it's going waterhead shut up. They don't know what they're talking about, but luckily they hadn't called me and made me feel bad about myself. yet. So. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I've got one one comment that didn't think our banter was worthwhile, but eh, I'm sure others, but it's not for everybody, so that's okay. No, can't put a smile on everybody's face. No, no. so I I posted the video yesterday. Did you see the video? This will lead into not putting a smile on everybody's face. But did you see the video yesterday of Buster Frierson and riding riding one of my bits? Yeah, I did. I was going to bring that up. That's pretty cool. Oh, well, thanks. I, it is cool. It's cool for Buster to say that stuff and shout out to him. And he's down sure cow puncher and lives in the Weatherford area in the, in the mix of all that world that's up there. And, and uh, but a cow puncher in the modern horse world and damn sure obviously rides a horse outstanding and, and uh, all that business. But I posted that video and there was a man, I, I guess from Mexico, which is fine. I don't care if you're from Antarctica the cowboys there and all that and, and everybody has their idea what a cowboy's supposed to be but i put buster's bit buster's story about his bit or something on there well i think he was i don't think he knew that buster's name was buster and he thought i was just calling him a cowboy and he went into a big long rant about how that's a terrible name and and the for a cowboy and this and that and i, I was like i didn't even respond I, I mean i'm thinking about it but i i was like good gosh and he went so I totally respect you, Willie, but not Buster. Well, you idiot. Everybody's – it's kind of like Nevada and Texas getting upset over how you're supposed to punch a cow. Put the damn thing in the pen. Put your brand on it. Send it to market. If you, if you can ride and rope your cowboy, if you're not, who gives a shit? You suck. <laughs> so, yeah, not sometimes, everybody's going to be happy. Sometimes you have to make a determination whether you're going to dignify – uh, somebody's response by another response. So you just kind of let her go. Let her go. I've already given him more credit than I wanted to by even acknowledging that I read the damn thing, but it's all good. So you got a new hat good. on. What's yeah, this I hat? Got my, I got my bubble, bubble crouch knives and it's a slip joint cartel. So, you know, down here in Texas, we're real close to the cartel. So Bubba, he thought he'd, I don't know Bubba didn't start it. There's a group of, of slip joint, which is a folder knife for us waterheads that don't understand knife terminology, but slip joint is a folder and, and uh, uh, they're down in South Texas and, and uh man named Bill Rupel is kind of the king of the jungle down there and he's got a whole bunch of guys that have learned underneath him. Bill's very, very um uh giving with his with his knowledge and so they're all together and Bubba's the one that got me involved in the knife shows and, and uh Bubba is definitely a, a a positive individual that 
can get the job done and, and is building some great knives. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, in the works that maybe me and Bubba will do a little in collaboration job here in the near future, uh, maybe for next year's show or something. But Bubba's, it's Bubba's fault that I've been going to the Dadgum Knife Show. So thanks, Bubba. Shout out to you, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, good. Opportunities just keep coming down the pike, don't they? Oh, man. Yeah. Which, do you see my, I mean, obviously, you know where I was at the first of the week. And uh, that was, which would be a week ago today that I was in Gainesville with David Brown and David oh, Sampson. Yeah. What opportunities that is. Good gosh. So did you break a That's lot fun. of clay targets? Way more than me and Mr. Brown expected. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't expect that you were going to break some targets. I don't think he did, and and that was a that was a very uh, we shared that 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 uh, thought because I promise I I've never had any help, and when I and and nobody's ever told me anything. Here's shotgun, pony it towards it, and shoot right. And I'm like, oh, I'm terrible, and. Uh, and with a rifle, I'm, you know, I've been shooting a rifle my whole life, but the shotgun thing, that just didn't, wasn't good. And, and that was the whole reason I was there. Well, there was a lot of reasons I was there, but that was one of the reasons to try to get better at it. And, and, uh, that is one reason I was able to hit things because Mr. Brown certainly knows what he's talking about with shotguns. And, uh, he, he said, all right, boy, shut up and listen. And I did. And it was awesome. It was good. He, he, but now he you're going to have right to. Direction. You'll have to invest in a hundred thousand dollar Holland and Holland or something like that. Is that the key to it? I can't I, take the old Remington eight seventy out and break as many car targets. It's got to be the case because, uh, yeah, I, I shot a Wesley Richards and a Purdy. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow! Wow! There had to be something to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, oh man, I couldn't believe it, and, I, and it's an experience I'll never forget. Right, opportunity, and and uh, and, and uh, we as individuals, there's a lot, a lot of good people in the world uh, that that don't get an opportunity like that, and and the, the reason I did get the opportunity is because of the business spurs and what I do, and no different in your saddles. We've been in the we've been in the in the vault together in that place and looked at it, and it's because of our artwork. So, you know, hey. It, well, that's a cool thing, right? Who'd have thought? Who'd have ever thunk? No. Who'd have thunk? I've uh, <clears throat> been in some places where we just kind of have to pinch ourselves and say, wow, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have even dreamed this. It's yeah. beyond my dream, wildest dreams on some of the places we've been, <laughs> things we've seen, people we've met. So yeah. er, earlier this week, I had a little direct message from a I think he's a young man. I think he's in Utah. Asked me basically, how did you become you? Which, of course, is implied, how do I become like you? Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw, throw that into your court. <clears throat> you got your, your speech all it's, planned out. It's, right? um... How did Willie become Willie? <laughs> <laughs> Lord, what a, what a. Uh, I don't recommend that path. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Be careful. Uh, you know, and, and it, it, I, I've been asked this question before. 
my good friend Matt Humphreys asked me one time, how in the world do you get to that point, Willie? How do you get to where you're selling the pieces you're selling? How do you get to the point to where you're um, staying hooked, staying, you know, staying on these projects? And, and uh, my, I think my immediate response to Matt was, is, is you got to give a lot of stuff away. And y'all hear me talk about money and business to you are probably blue in the face and sick of me talking about money and think all I care about is money. I'm just trying to maximize the amount of money for the journey that I want to travel down. Right. I mean, I, I want the one off custom pieces. The only way I'm making money is my hands are moving and that's not a good way to make money. So it's not all about the money. If I was concerned about money, I'd, I'd go to work for my brother-in-law in the old field or something like that. Right. But, but, uh, or go to, go to the production world, my business first. And, and I don't want to do that either. I, I, but when I say this, I say you have to give a lot of stuff away. And when, where, who? In the very beginning, it was here is a close friend that I know is going to appreciate a little extra heart and soul. So that's how it started, right? And as I went out there and I said, uh, Wayne Bays, Wayne Bays, the the CA artist. My dad, yeah. Wayne, have been friends forever and ever. And and Wayne came to me in the very beginning. I'm getting two hundred fifty, three hundred dollars for a pair of spurs. And and he said that's taken a week to build, mind you. And he said, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, Willie, here's four hundred dollars. Build me a pair of spurs. It's probably one of the toughest pair of spurs ever made in my life. Because that is all he told me. That's it. There was no name, no brand. Just here's $400. You build me what you want. Well, obviously, Wayne has been somebody in the art world that I knew would appreciate uh, quality and appreciate what I'm doing. And I was probably a long ways from quality at that point. This was very early on in my career. But I thought, you know what? Uh I'm going to do something really nice for old Wayne. And, and so I went to work and, and, uh, I kind of kept, I, I wasn't keeping track of time like I do now. I wasn't anywhere close, but we all think we are right. So at that point I thought I was keeping track of my time and understanding what it took to do something. So I don't know, week, two weeks later, I get done with this pair of spurs and I get my $400 and away we go, but there ain't no way in hell I'm ever building that pair of spurs for $400 ever again right? Because I, I did way more than I thought. And I gave him to Wayne, not ever knowing that anything would ever come out of it, right? Wayne was ecstatic. He loved him, showed him to all of his friends, all that good stuff is, is all a wonderful thing. And I took the opportunity, took pictures and started sharing that as well. Well, I can't tell you how many $750 spurs I sold off of that $400 pair of spurs and $750 at that point, mind you, was a lot of money for me to be selling a pair of spurs for. But I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do it again, it's going to cost this much. And because I gave Wayne a $750 pair of spurs for 400 bucks, I gave him my heart and soul. And I think that's the main thing is I gave him my heart and soul. It wasn't the money but I put my heart and soul into a product and a piece for somebody special that I knew would appreciate it. And then I showed the world what I could do. I sold a whole bunch for 750 bucks and I wasn't losing money at that point in my career is 750 bucks. It, it was a good deal. So I think if you follow that, you follow your passion, you follow your journey, stay hooked on it. Just grow some thick skin too. 
right? I mean, that's that's a part of the equation. Is, is and if you don't have thick skin and you're worried about getting your feelings hurt, probably not going to get there, right? It's it's not going to work too good. I could ramble well, on for another twenty five minutes on this deal, but question: Where where in the process, going back a long ways, probably did you fall in love with the process? Well, you had to fall in love with the process, but did you fall in love with it the first day you did it or did it take time for that to work out? The first day I picked up a graver, I was in love. I just in love. That was some hard shit. I couldn't accomplish what it is I thought I could do. I watched Greg push the graver through silver like butter and it looked like I was going through marble right? It would not go. I fell in love with it at that point. The challenge was immense. And, and then, you know, two days later, you finally make one good cut. I was in love at that point in love with the process. Now that's still happening. That's still, that's still developing. That's still moving. Mm -hmm. Um, engraving was the first one. And then all of a sudden, Hey, we better start talking about metalwork. My dad before metalwork. So we talk about design. Oh no, pop, I'm not going to be an artist. Right. We all know that story. And, and so all of these different aspects is still happening. And, and, um, and the, the love is, is, it's just like marriage, right? You, you gotta feed it. You gotta cultivate it. It's not going to stay the same. It either grows or it dies. And, and, uh, engraving is something that's, that's always been there. I don't want to grow up being an engraver anymore. I want to grow up because I love the whole process, all aspects of it and the challenges Hey, I'm going to celebrate a small victory of the day. I made that stupid ass fiber laser cut something out last night that I was proud of, right? 830 at night. I'm out here in the shop still clicking away and I made my laser work. I'm so damn happy and excited, right? That's the process. I love that. Like that was so freaking fun to say, holy cow, I can sell something off this damn thing now, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I love it all. And I, I, didn't think I was going to love stupid Patreon and stupid podcast either, but I'm kind of loving it too. Right? <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. How about you? I mean, where, where's your, where's your process? You know, everybody's, everybody's journey is a little bit different, but, but, uh, you know, everybody talks about the cliche stuff. You got to follow your passion and stuff like that. But, uh, sometimes that takes a little while for that story to unfold. And, yeah. uh, so I did have, a, <clears throat> I guess, a, a love, a passion for leather that started way, way early on. But as far as being able to do something with it for a living, that, that took years and years for that to unfold. But I know there was a watershed event <clears throat> back, uh, that uh, would have been the spring of 1979. I had a cousin who was working in a gun holster shop in Twin Falls, Idaho. And, and he made mention that they were needing some help. And I was looking for a summer job. And so my sister Tammy and I, we stopped in there. And, and uh, that was a watershed event. When I, the, Suddenly I realized, wow. Those, there was probably 10, 11 people working in this shop. They're getting paid to do that. 
are you kidding me? I can't <laughs> believe that somebody could get paid to do that. And to me, at that moment, they looked like the most privileged people I had ever known right there. Yeah. And I always point to that where you, you talk about falling in love with it, but then falling in love with the process or maybe even said differently, falling in love with process. Mm. A little bit of a distinction there to be able to if, engage if, material. If your... Yeah. Yeah. It's like if, if, if your favorite part of the whole thing is stepping back and saying, Hey, look at what I've done. Look at my deal. Um, to me, you're in a hurry to get to that end result. And, and, uh, that, that's not a positive for mine and your journey, right? Not our business model. That's not what we're about. Now you can't sit there and love the process so much that you never get done, but, uh, each step along the journey of completing a process has to be done to, to the nth degree, as good as you can do it. If you let good enough get involved, then you're never going to, you're never going to get there. If you quit too soon, you're never going to get there. So, so to me, if you're not in love with, with all of that and, and, and searching for, um, searching for the results that you're looking for and the skill set that you have, and that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean I'm going to put a stone finish on every bit that I do. Every, every bit has its own journey and its own process that we're going to do, but understand what that process is with the budget you're working within and, and, uh, yeah, and grasp it, love it, or it ain't going to go. Well, you, you mentioned, I think patience right there. And that's where there's all, all kinds of levels of patience, right? You got, Patience with yourself, patience with other people, patience with horses. But we're talking about patience with that process because yeah. the story is going to take a long time for that to unfold. And we're just stacking one personal victory onto another. Yeah. And you do that for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. You got something when you're yeah. stacking one victory upon another. And of course, they're not always victories. <laughs> we know what that feels like. Sometimes you get your ass kicked, and sometimes you're you're the bug. Sometimes you're the windshield. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've learned more from being the bug, you know, the kersplat, <laughs> than than mm -hmm. I have the victories. I mean, when I when I have a victory and I do something good, awesome. But who really cares, right? Who cares? But but when you do something terrible everybody cares and everybody's going to point the finger at you. And, and it's your opportunity at that point to say, Hey, can I do this better? Can I, can I rectify this situation? And, and, uh, you know, the journey is education and, and you have to learn, you have to learn from each step. And when you've done it right and everybody's Facebook is telling you how good you are, we tend not to learn as much, you know, and that, that's unfortunate. I'm not picking on Facebook book face. <laughs> crack face, face crack, whatever you want to call it. Yes. So yes, when yes. you make a mistake, how do you deal with it? I think we talked about this before, maybe. You throw up, you, you lay an egg, and you, oh, crap, this is, this is a, this ain't working. So do you, you beat yourself up real bad? 
you lay awake at night, you, you're frustrated, disappointed, um, crushed, any of those? All that happens. But if it lasts more than 15 to 30 seconds, I'm screwed. There you go. Th those feelings are there. Go. Right. Mm -hmm. They're they're absolutely there. But if they if they last more than 30 seconds, you're wasting time. Um sympathies between shit and syphilis in the dictionary, get up and go to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth, man. It, it is really true. is. Is like is is if you're if you're looking for sympathy, you can go look it up in Webster's and uh, because nobody cares and, and you got to love it, man. So you threw an interception, Tom Brady, how many interceptions has that man thrown? And, and the very next opportunity, he next drive, he kicks your ass and wins the Super Bowl. right? It's happened over and over and over again. And, and, and if, if don't throw another one, right don't do it again but if you're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself or how you made a mistake um you're probably not paying attention to how you made that mistake so so be be real be honest be you know embrace embrace where you're at with the deal that spade bit i made that i'm still the proud owner of that i did on hell it was anything it was closer to one to one ratio than it was two to one well you know what i mean i I took my ass eatings and, and, um, and I didn't like them. I didn't like any of them to tell you the truth, but I had an option. Go figure out what a spade bit is or, or, uh, or sit there and just say, well, I'm from Texas and I can't build a spade bit. That's crap. Right. Is, is go out there and figure out what the damn purpose is and, and, and how to build them. And do I have a lot of people asking me to build spade bits? Well, no, that's okay. Uh, I certainly know how to build one and I have confidence to build one to anybody's specs. And I have an understanding of what the purpose of a spade is. I'd have never been able to do that. Uh, if I, if I hadn't dusted my britches off and got up and gone and talked to people that know what the hell they're talking about. Um, I mean, so, Chuck storms come to you and said, you need help, right? Yeah. When, yeah I did. I had to kind of lick my wounds and take my lumps and stuff. And that, that wasn't done in in malice or anything. He just, he really did care. But he was also careful about it because he didn't know right. how I was going to take it either. So, well, yeah, that was... And Chuck was one of the, he was one of the individuals that came to me and said that spade bit sucks, right? You messed <laughs> up. And and he was careful about it too. He didn't say it like that. But, but uh, you know. That's what yeah. it felt like, though. Yeah, that's what it feels <clears> like. That's so, what it feels like. I mean, when we get critiques, that, that's another thing, Carrie, that, that I think is important is, is uh, you don't have to invent the wheel on your own. So if you want to excel and become better, surround yourself around people that are going to tell you the truth, that know what the hell they're talking about. And, uh, you know, like I, I give critiques all the time and I never want anybody to leave one of my critiques feeling discouraged. I want them to feel encouraged, encouraged. But if I don't give them something to work on, I haven't done my job. Now I tell everybody, if you just send me a picture and you don't say anything, I'm going to say, yeah, cool. looks great. Keep it up. But if you call me and say, Hey kid, what's up here? I don't like this. Or can I do something better here? Then I'll, I'll give you food for thought. But 
So we have to be careful giving those critiques as well, because so, I certainly want them to leave encouraged. But it's up to you as to whether you're going to get better or not. Not me, you know, given the critique. Well, that's Chuck's mantra. He says, don't, don't give a critique unless asked. <clears throat> and if they do ask, then mm -hmm. even then be careful about it, because they may not be asking for a critique. They may be asking for a pat on the back. So... Uh, that's why if you just send me a picture, all, it looks like you're just looking for a pat on the back to me. You better ask a question if I'm yeah. going to give a critique. Yeah. yeah. I got another question for you. Oh. Can, can you care too much? Can you try too much? Can you, uh, can, can it become a ball and chain? Can it yeah, work against so. you? It did in my rodeo career. It, uh, I tried too hard a lot of times instead of just relaxing and let the situation come to you. Um, you know, you, you get balled up and like, like in my, um, in my drawing classes. And I know you can relate to this too, is, is we tell people sit down and do a drawing and they get caught up in the first scroll and forget about the whole project. Right. And they don't, uh, uh, you don't relax and, and you know, you got to try, but because I'm relaxed, having fun doesn't mean I'm not trying. And I used to think that a lot, right? If I wasn't a ball of tension and tears, well, I might not be trying hard enough. So I believe that you, I mean, I, it's easier well, for me to relax. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little story that, uh, this is going back a long ways, way clear back to when I was in high school. I, I was a basketball player. And, well, I wanted in the worst way to be a contributor. I wanted to be a, I can't say I wanted to be a star. I don't know that that, that was in my vocabulary, but I really, really wanted to get in the game. And I put in all the work. I went to all the camps. I practiced and practiced and practiced. Yeah. Had my dad set up the set up out there in the dirt, in the driveway, the, the basketball hoop and stuff. I shot thousands and thousands of baskets practiced my free throws and i never did get to play very much <laughs> and i just kept grinding away grinding away wanting wanting and wanting and then i got to be i don't know i can't remember i must have been either junior or senior in high school and i wasn't playing hard at all i only got to play when the game was out of out of control one way or the other and uh, so i i was having a hard time with that I went to the coach. Uh, was Monday, Monday, Monday at practice after our weekend games. I said, "I want to. I need to know how come I I'm not getting any playing time." And that was a really, really hard, hard thing for me to say. And uh, so, but I, I felt like I was in a corner. I wanted this so bad that that I had no choice but to confront the situation. And he said, well, wait, let's wait till after, after practice and I'll, I'll have a visit with you. So, so after everybody left and we were sitting on the stage and I had tears running down my face and I was, I was, but I, I had to do this. I just had to do this. Of course, he explained his situation. He didn't have much confidence in me. I didn't have much confidence in me. And, uh, but he said, ah, oh, we'll get you in this next game. Guess how well that went. 
<laughs> I was stressed out the whole week. The next game came along, put me in the game, and I promise you, it didn't go very well. No. There is such a thing as wanting it too bad. And uh, I've been, yeah. you know, I've been talking to, uh, well, I've got a friend back in Iowa. Uh, some some people may know him. I don't know. I won't say his name. He spent some time around Tom Dorrance and Ray Hunt mm -hmm. been when Tom was doing clinics. He was probably in his 80s then. And, uh, and I'm kind of studying up on Tom a little bit, reading a book about him and stuff right now. Yeah, cool. And and very, very, very patient man in every way. And he you just sit you yeah. fix it up and let him find it. And and what I've learned about that deal back clear back when I was sixteen, seventeen years old, whatever it was, there's such a thing as allowing the game to come to you. Mm -hmm. You put in the work and then you let the game come to you. And that's what you just said about five minutes ago. Isn't there something to that? Yeah. No, is that absolutely something to it. I, um, in the roping deal, uh, Dennis Gates used to tell me, he said, you can't rope your steer before you nod your head, Willie. You can't rope a pattern, right? You, you're not, you, you think you're going to rope this steer before you even know what the steer is going to do. It's the same way with our, with, with our, with our work is you, I mean, you sit down on a blank piece of paper and we have to let it come to us. And uh, I got to tell you that, so um, I'm going to relate it to what we're doing, but I start, I sat down this morning to do a drawing for Winston Churchill. And long story short, David Brown knows Winston, reached out to him and said, hey, this kid, you're this kid's hero. Uh, what do you, what, he'd he's, you know, he'd like to talk to you. And, and uh, you know, David said, you gonna call him and talk to him? I was like, well, what would I say, right? I mean, I feel funny as hell. He's like, hey, Mr. Churchill, right? Which, I mean, I feel weird, but it's, yeah, I wouldn't know what to say. But I, I did tell David, and David reached out to him and and talked to his 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 uh, his other half and his lady, and she said that to to be sure and for me to write a letter and send something. Well, I sit down to do a drawing this morning for Winston Churchill, the Winston Churchill. I tell you what, my butt was a little puckered when I sit down to make that first scroll, that first pencil line, right? But I, if you don't, so me getting to do a drawing for Winston Churchill has nothing to with the process of me doing a good design. It, it has no no bearings whatsoever. Understand the steps that it takes to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to do. And you go through it. Step one, step two, step three, stay focused on the process. And at the end of it, you can look at it and evaluate what the hell it is that you've done. And it may be in fact, that in your evaluation, you go back and say, shit, I forgot about step one. Well, that's what was important to me. And Tiger Woods says, says stay in the moment, right? Stay over the ball, do your job. That that ball going in the hole has nothing to do with, I mean, the process, right? Is, is winning the tournament has nothing to do with getting the ball in the hole. So me doing a knockout drawing for Winston Churchill had nothing about me relaxing and allowing some lines to come down and just seeing how I could feel a very particular space that I defined on a piece of paper. So uh, if you don't know the steps and the process to get there, Maybe that's where you start. That's how you become us. Learn step one so that you can go to step two after you accomplish step one. But if you try to become a world-class engraver before you know how to sharpen your tool, probably not going to work too good. 
probably not going to work. Good advice. And I, and I think that's, if I were to critique our, our American mindset, uh, North American mindset, I guess, to expand the, expand the metaphor here, but, uh, we, we are very impatient. We are very impatient people. Yeah. And we want what we want when we want it. And that circumvents process. That's trying to do an end around. I'm trying to cheat the system. I'm trying to game the system by reaching for something before I'm ready for whatever it is I'm reaching for. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm not an impatient person, right? And and I think it's a very important ingredient in my being in that, by golly, I'm going. I'm going hard. But um, just like the fiber laser story, I've sat on it for three weeks and haven't turned that damn thing on because of life and things that are going on. I sat on that machine and didn't turn it on. But I've been thinking about it the whole damn time. As I, and, and it's like, okay, now do this, do that. And a lot of things cleared up. So I had to be patient, right? I had to step back and allow things to happen in front of me that last night, which was the second day this week I've played with it. But the first day I'm like, okay, there's one thing that I haven't done. And I'm a little scared to unscrew that screw because some springs may come flying out, but I need to change this lens. I need to look at this lens within the fiber mechanics of this deal. And I knew it. My impatience of, oh, I can make it work cost me a lot of time there. Where if I did, by, but by me being, by saying, okay, take a step back, be patient, take a deep breath, evaluate, think about what it is that you're doing here and what you've learned and see what happens. So I, I think impatience is good because that made me get off into it, right? It, any of these things, any of this journey is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go see, I'm going to push that envelope, but don't. Don't let your impatience screw up that step, that process. You, you have to relax in it. And I think it's, I think you need a little of both, right? You got to have a little patience, but you got to have a little urgency too. Or it'll never happen. Never yeah, happen. Got a cousin who, Dr. Rude in Southwest Idaho, Northern Nevada, worked on the Spanish French for Bill Kane and stuff. And, and, uh, he had this saying, he says, you know, sometimes when we're working cattle, some of these guys seem to have the attitude that we're going to get this done fast, no matter how long it takes. You come and jam these cattle and you cowboy these cattle and, and uh, you could have a wreck. You could be sorting out for days. Yep. Yeah, the same thing. Well, it's all the same stuff. Um, it's it's the same thing. So until you've tried to cram them through the gate and they ran over you a few times, you really don't know how much pressure that is, right? So that's where the old experience comes in. Is uh, I'm going to push them through this gate as hard and fast as I can, which may take all day, right? That certain you have to be able to read the situation and understand. How much pressure can actually be done here? And, and, and until you've put too much pressure and they run over the top of you, uh, you don't know what too much pressure is. So um, if you're drawing a drawing, you don't know what too far is until you've gone too far. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
understand like after you got the cows in the pen may be the time to see what too much pressure is to get them into the next pen right you got them from one one pen in the corral to the next once you got them confined to where the mistake's not going to cost you two days of work maybe that's an intelligent decision right but but it, unvariably it's the first gate at the first corral and you totally jack up but you only have to see that so the the key to becoming you or me or anybody of uh, out there that that's excelling at what they're doing is is um evaluating that step of when is it that i can push and when can i not right and and uh don't don't cost yourself too damn much time because that's that's hard to recover from. We've all done it. You get, you have to do it. But I hope that makes sense. I probably rambled a little bit there. No, it does. And uh, always always use these horsemanship analogies that seem so helpful. Uh, Ray Hunt's deal was: if you need five pounds of pressure, use five pounds of pressure. You need twenty pounds of pressure, then you need to use twenty pounds of pressure. But getting back to what you said a moment ago, you don't know if it was too much pressure until you cross the threshold of too much pressure. And then experience will yeah. tell you, okay, we're getting close to too much. So we're going to stop yeah. before. And that's where that experience comes in. But uh, that's where experience comes in. But from an experience is, is uh, that's the breaks, right? We talked about before is, is the mistakes made is where you learn the most. And, and, uh, so if you make a mistake, you absolutely have to learn from it and improve on it in order to grow and move. And so put that pressure. Don't be scared to make a mistake. If you're scared about doing everything perfect and this and that, you're never going to get anywhere. <laughs> Maybe that's that answer to your question. You know, uh, how do you become Willie? How do I, how to become me? Man, don't be scared to make a mistake. I mean, that's good. Gosh, go ahead. It's just metal. It's just gold. It'll you buy more of it. <laughs> Well, same way with leather, you know, we, it's almost as if we worship the material. Do not worship the material. Don't do it. Uh, and then you're treating it as, as if with kid gloves, like it's some kind of a, something, some cultural precious kind of thing. Don't do that. Uh, you'll never, you'll never make a mistake and you'll never learn. Hey, here's the other thing. Don't worship where you're at in the process either, right? Me and you talking to each other here. Okay, so we're we're accomplished at what we're doing, but we better not drink the Kool-Aid. We better get our ass up in the morning and go back to work mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know that enjoy and love that journey. So so that that that's my that's me preaching to myself too. Get your ass up, Willie, and and get to work and and become better tomorrow than what you are today. because um, really nobody cares right where I'm at. I, my, my customers don't care. Build it, Willie. You said you would get your ass busy. <laughs> so you just described a workmanlike approach to what you do. How many times you said, get your ass up out of bed, get it going. That's a workmanlike approach. So that's, that's where I think some people, when you say, follow your passion, well, it's all, that sounds like every moment is, is glorified well it ain't <laughs> some are but most of it is just a workman light show up for work jesse jesse james the motorcycle guy blacksmith gun guy he uh was describing one point in his career when he was still in la right going to work every morning 
same time everybody else did. And he said, and everybody was mad and upset and beating down the highway and old broken down cars and doing everything they could to get to work. And it was mad and tense and all that. And he, he said, you know, I got to start getting to work earlier. I got more to do and kind of suck it up, buttercup. We can do this deal. And so instead of going to work at, at seven in the morning, he started going to work at five thirty and six. And he said, the, the roads were much more open easy going, easy traveling, took half the amount of time to get to work. And ironically, the cars he was sharing the road with were luxury cars. <laughs> nice, nice cars. Because those people are getting at it and going. And, uh, you know, the early bird gets a worm. Yeah, the early worm gets eaten, but early bird gets a worm. So get at it. Yep, a lot to be said for that. I know, uh, yeah, this pressure, the pressure thing, the pressure to perform, the pressure to do well, we can take that to an absurdity. Then it, it starts working against us. I know to kind of put a bow on that story about back in high school. Then I think it was my senior year when I, when that deal happened. And, uh, so graduate high school and they had a little tradition there uh they'd bring back the alumni they'd have an alumni faculty uh basketball game just kind of a fun evening and stuff Mm -hmm. so so of course i didn't quit playing ball i I just kept playing ball all the time even though i there was no reason to do it i wasn't college material or anything like that so i came back and and it was all not coached, of course. There was no coach. They just set it up so half the mm. half the alumni played half the game and the other half played the other half. It was just set up that mm. way. So my dad was there watching. And I he later on, he says, do you know how many points you scored? I said, I have no idea. Mm. I was unconscious. I scored 26 points right. and I played half the game. And you know who guarded me most of the game? <laughs> my old the coach. stud from back in high school, right? Who was my, your my old coach. coach? He was the faculty. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, and I. <laughs> That's if, cool. If the deal was I put in all his preparation, which was important. But when mm-hmm. the knee was off my neck, mm-hmm. I was set free. And that's where freedom enters the picture, doesn't so, it? Freedom has got to happen. You have to be feel free to make a mistake. You have to feel free to get outside and and exercise things and, and free to get up early, free to do whatever. So that brings up, I mean, I mean that, that's the key right there, Terry. And I've studied performers. I've studied performers since I, as long as I started performing, right. The Michael Jordans and, and all that other, I mean, who, by the way, didn't make his high school basketball team, right. They got, got cut and said, well, I'll fix that. Greatest basketball player ever to this point, put the process in, but performers are is when that pressure, that knee is on your neck and you're like, how the hell am I going to do this? They perform anyhow. They figure out how to get past it. They figure out how to, that knee's not coming off. It's staying there. That, that that guy across the, the line from you or that piece of steel, piece of leather in front of you, it ain't going away. It's staring at you in the face. 
Are you gonna Are you gonna overcome it, or are you gonna let it overcome you? That and that that's the mental side of this thing that is huge, right? Is you have to you have you have to get past that. I can't. Right? I can't do this. Well, you probably never will then, right? If I can't, why do you, you keep trying? So that's the trick right there is to learn how to perform and go. Well, you have to. I think you have to have a confidence that no matter what, you're gonna, you know, put your hand to the plow. You're gonna lean into it. You're gonna, whether there's a knee on your neck or not, and that takes a certain amount of time. At least it has for me. You ask, how how did how do you become somebody like me? Well, uh, it took me a while to get used to that pressure. It I had to I had to get to a place where it didn't work. Sir, um, I have more pressure on me right now, Carrie, than I than I think I've ever had because of the commitments I've made with my with my chihuahua butt, my bulldog mouth, right? And uh, I I have I have six six months worth of work to do by October. Well, doesn't take hard math to figure that out, right? I have seven months worth of work to do, including my TCA pieces, eight months somewhere in there. And so you you know, uh, but that, that nobody cares. I'm the one that made the comments, get up and go to work, figure out how to get it done. And uh, that's, that's what gets you there. I mean, determination can do attitude, right? Are you positive or are you not? And, and uh, if you get up believing you can, you will, right? You'll figure out a way. Good Lord's willing. It'll happen. It'll happen. Well, sir. Well, shall we put a bow on it? Well, we got lock in. Put a bow. You got an appointment. Don't what do we? Uh, yeah, I got a private lesson. With old Bill Turner this morning. We're gonna talk computer stuff. We're gonna learn how to run Photoshop and maybe do some CAD stuff. And I don't know what all. We'll have a Zoom meeting. So Zoom call. I'm gonna share my screen, cool. and he's got his screen. And away we go. Bill Turner, spur maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good. Up, up more. Shout out so. to Bill. Bill's doing some great time. work these days. Great work. Yeah. And, 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 um, wow, Bill is, we're not going to talk age, but he's a generation ahead of me. And, uh, and he's embracing this computer thing saying, I think this will make it easier for me. I think this will work. So good, good on you, Bill. Proud of you. That's awesome. No, I'm always inspired by, by those people that are still learning and yeah. growing, even doesn't matter how old they are. They got it going. All right. Good deal. Well, I'm not going to say who we're going to have for our, our next guest, but we've got someone on, on board, and I think you all are going to enjoy it a lot. So I'm going to be excited. Hey, are you? You know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll be cool. Be all right. Take care, y'all. See you all soon.